You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Now we're going to have the Word of God read to us. And this morning I'm thrilled that Jessica is going to be reading the passage to us, which is from Daniel chapter 3. Thanks, Jessica. Of Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 to 28. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubit high and 6 cubit wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the Herod loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nation and people of every language fell down and worshipped the image of God that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jew. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever! Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, Zit, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your God nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the image of God I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kind of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into, a, into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of God you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest 
soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. The king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amusement and asked his advisors, advisors, were there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servant of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the, and the satraps, prefect, governors, and rural advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed the bodies, nor was the hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Jessica, that was read beautifully. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, what a story. It's, it's a true account, happened about two and a half thousand years ago. And I just want us to pause and, and take a, a little look at this story, which I really felt God put on my heart for this morning. I think there's a couple of examples in this story that I want to pull out to us. And then I want to think, how do we learn from the gospel? The first example is this, is what don't we do? What's a bad example? I think when you're reading the Bible, you can't assume that everything is good. <laughs> the, the bad example is obviously King Nebuchadnezzar. He builds this image of gold. It was set up by the king. I don't think the king personally did it. I think he had people do it for him. But it was very much his idea. You can read about that in verse 1, 2, 3, 5, 12, 14 and verse 18. Chapter 3 is very clear about this is what the king wanted to do. He made an image. He set it up. He summoned the people. He commanded them what to do. He threatened them if they're undecided about obeying. I was thinking about this. It's almost like a, a new Babylon festival. If you wanted a sound bite, which I guess our generation quite enjoys, he might have labelled chapter three as build and bow. Build and bow. You see, he's got this statue. And it was meant to intimidate. It was tall. I mean, they're talking here about 27 metres high. 2.7 metres wide. We're not sure if it was meant to represent him or if it was a, a representation of a god. But we do know it would have been intimidating. I've stood at the bottom of the shard and thought, man, that's a long way up. People in those days would have stood at this and felt intimidated they would have been impressed. 
it was made of gold. Some Bible commentators try and talk around, was it solid gold? He had nicked a hundred thousand talents from his enemies, or was it gold covered? Doesn't actually matter, I don't think. I think you would have been impressed. Wow, this huge, huge image was definitely gold covered. It was impressive. It was meant to impact. Yeah, that's my third eye. I'm keeping them going. You had all these instruments playing. The music sets the atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Boom, 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 boom. They're all starting to play like this. It would have impacted you. It was meant to inspire. You think about it, the guest list that was there, it was the high and the mighty, the important. It's, a, it's like they're all gathered. We want this to inspire you. It was meant to interconnect. <laughs> yeah, I'm stretching the eyes a little bit. All peoples came together. We're so often about self-expression, but actually this was actually everybody you gather. It was imposed. The furnaces were there. Some think it was the furnaces that were used for forming bricks. But we know that even the judges bowed down. There was no neutral justice in this country at this time. It was imposed. This is what you do. So if I had one eye that really overrode them all, what was it? It was idolatry. You see, the word worship is used 11 times in this chapter. You could go through and underline them and think, oh, it's about worship. It's about worship. It's about worship. You see, this was ultimately about idolatry. The king set up an idol and they were to bow. Now, you might say, oh, yeah, but Pete, that was two and a half thousand years ago. What on earth has that got to do with us in, in, in Ealing, in London, in 2020? Nancy Piercy, she's an American evangelical author, says this, an idol is anything we want more than God. Anything we rely on more than God. Anything we look to provide for greater fulfillment than God. Idolatry is thus the hidden sin driving all other sins. Wow, she's gone right there and said, you know, this is, it's almost like it can be the hidden one, but it drives everything else. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking maybe your idol is pleasure, in which case that's drinking a little bit too much. It's overeating. It's taking recreational drugs. It's having sex with anyone that you want sex with. Maybe your idol is power, in which case it's having to be in control. It's the desire for revenge. Maybe your idol is relationships. It's worked out by... You must get married. You must have a child. The friends that you have. Maybe your idol is knowledge. You must get your master's, your PhD. You must be surrounded by books. You have articles published. You listen to great sermons. <laughs> Maybe your idol is your possessions. Your house, your car, your clothes. A.W. Tozer, he was an American pastor, preacher and author, said this. An idol of the mind is, an, is as offensive to God as an idol of the hand. And sometimes we can think, oh, I, I can't see that I've got an idol. And I think, what even in my mind? I found it fascinating reading this week that the top still, the top hymn used at funerals, 
three years in a row is Frank Sinatra, I Did It My Way. Because I guess the idol for many of us is independence. I want to do what I want to do. Let me ask you a question. Do you have an idol in your life? Okay, if we're really honest, let's take that back again and say, what is the idol in your life? Mm. I think it was Calvin that described his heart as an idol-making factory. There's a bad example in this chapter, and it's the one that sets up an idol. Think, come on, it's all about worshipping that. So as I read this, I think, oh God, would you please search my heart? What's the idol that I've set up? Success, accomplishment, good reputation. What am I expecting to take control rather than you? The thing about this story as well, and this is really probably what drew me to it in the first place, is that there's also an example of something that we should do, something that we shouldn't and something that we should. And, and obviously the heroes, you could say, is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. These are, are three guys that have done very well in a foreign country. Maybe you've moved to this country and you're doing really, really well. Maybe you got promoted at work. You know what I'm saying? You're driving a nice Beamer. You can afford to buy somewhere in London. These three, even in their success, the pinnacle, I would say, is their choice. You see, they are given a choice. Do you want to keep your position? Do you want to keep your family? Do you want to keep your wealth? Do you want to keep your security? Do you want your life? Or do you want God? John Lennox, he's a guy from Northern Ireland, mathematician and an apologist, says this. God is the great deliverer, but he will not deliver us for having to make our own decisions. These three guys had to make a decision. And in many respects, there's huge tension in this story. You know what I'm saying? I'd love to have a little drum roll here. The tension continues. Even when they answer, we don't know what's going to happen. You see, they would rather take the consequence than compromise. That's a massive lesson, isn't it? Yes. Would I rather take the consequence or do I compromise? You see, I love them because they are a picture of faith. Faith, I looked up in the dictionary this week, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. They understand who God is. I mean, this sort of sentence is resounded with me for years. God can. God will. But even if he doesn't, we will worship him. I love that as a definition of faith, don't you? Yes. As I go into this month, as I go into this term, I think God can, God will. But even if he doesn't, I'm only going to worship yes. him. What a definition of faith. Joyce Baldwin, in her commentary, says this. They do not doubt the power of their God to deliver them from the king's furnace, but they have no right to presume. I love that. You know, they don't doubt that God can do it. They just don't presume that God has got to look after them. Ultimately, these three men were saved in the fire rather than from the fire. Yes. You see, I find it fascinating. You read the passage again. They were not harmed. There was no singed hair. There was no scorched robe. There was not even the smell of fire on them. 
You see, I often want God to save me from the tough situation. And yet here we see faith that they were saved in it. Yes. Bishop Hugh Latimer. He had been chaplain to King Edward in this country. King Edward was a Protestant. His daughter that took over the throne, Queen Mary, was a Catholic. And in those days, there was a big fight between the Protestants and the Catholics. And so when she became queen, she decided to have him burnt at the stake. Rather than let him be burnt on his own, she also decided to burn Nicholas Ridley, who was the Bishop of London. It was 1555 and they are both killed in the fire. And these are his last words. He says, be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and pray the man. For we shall this day light such a candle in England as I trust by God's grace shall never be put out. I thought that's another example of someone who's following Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Now, I know that there's fire and I don't want to over push that, but I just feel that this is this is faith. God can, God will, but even if he doesn't, we'll only worship him. I know that is still happening around the world today. There are still people being martyred for their faith today. The International Bulletin of Missionary Research reckon there was up to 270 martyrs a day. A day. If that is the case within one decade, that would mean a million Christian martyrs. People that are saying, actually, God can, God will. But even if he doesn't, I will still worship him. Mm. Ultimately, these three friends loved God more than life itself. So let's just pause and ask another question. How much do I love God? How much am I prepared to suffer for him? Or does my faith mean that he only has to bless me? So we've got this example, King Nebuchadnezzar, what you mustn't do. We've got this example of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Now, obviously, that's how they would have understood it at the time. But we've also got the added dimension of we look at this and we think, how does this point to the gospel? How does this help me understand the great message of God even better? And I'd like to pull out three quick lessons from this. My first is this. The gospel points out that God is worthy of exclusive worship. Mm. The king set up an image of gold. Well, actually, if we'd have read Daniel 2, and I know we had a long passage which Jessica read really well. But in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, listen to this. It says, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. So the irony is in the next chapter, the king is setting up an idol almost without realising of the chapter before that the word is used, God set up the king. You see, God ultimately raises up. He is the one that is worthy of worship. This theme is picked up in Psalm chapter 2. David Helm, he's a pastor in Chicago, writes this. Be warned, 
For with true irony, the psalmist, this is Psalm 2, prophesies that God will solve our sin problem at a time when he will set up a king for himself in Zion. Psalm 2 verse 6 says this, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. This word was fulfilled in Jesus at the time he was lifted up on a cross in payment for our folly. He is the one we are to worship and serve. Only God, only God is worthy of our worship. Point two of the gospel that I see from this chapter is live faithfully. Live faithfully. Now, I know that I'm thinking about the three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. But I guess whenever I think that, I think about the one who lived most faithfully. Jesus Christ. It tells us in Matthew 4, the devil took him, this is Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, the three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, were faithful to God, even to possible death. But Jesus resisted a stronger tempter on multiple occasions. In fact, if I had to push the analogy a little bit further, Del even say, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were fallen sinful human beings and the wages of sin is death. Jesus never sinned and yet he still died for us. Wow, that's the gospel, isn't it? Am I by the power of the Spirit resisting the world like they did in Jesus? Am I living faithfully? And the third thing that I'd like to just bring out as I'm going to draw to a close, there is future hope. Even though they stood firm, the three friends were thrown into the fire. They had trouble. Now we know that it's almost like the picture of they were, they were rescued from the flames. It's an amazing story, bound, isn't it? Thrown in there, four of them walking around, not quite sure who the fourth person is. Don't want to get sucked down that rabbit hole this morning. But we know they come out unharmed. We will have troubles in this world. 1 Peter, in the letter in the New Testament, verse 4 says this, Dear friends, chapter 4, sorry, verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You see, from this story, we learn that even in death, God will see his loved ones through. He did for these three men. He did supremely for Jesus Christ, who three days later was raised from the dead. And he will do for us. There is a certain future hope. When at the moment, things can seem so uncertain. When governments make announcements and things, plans change. Who will we see at Christmas this year? 
there's so much uncertainty around on a very serious level in America as we were praying for earlier. Fires suddenly come across your property. So this story gives us an example of how we shouldn't behave. It gives us an example of how we should and ultimately helps us understand something of the gospel. Yeah, I do want to challenge you. I want to challenge myself. I've always said to the church, when you point one finger at somebody else, you point three at yourself. How am I doing for trusting God? How am I doing? God is able. God will. But even if he doesn't, we will worship him. I don't know what situation you're facing right now. But I do believe God is able. I'm trusting that he will. But will you worship him, even if he doesn't? Let's pray. Father, for, for me, I'll be honest, this is a story that's challenged and troubled me for years. Mm. I've often thought, oh God, if I trust you in faith, if I declare you will, it'll all be good. <laughs> And I think these guys did that and it was tough. But actually they made the decision, you know, I'm going to go whatever the consequences, I'm not compromising on my love for Jesus. Father, I pray for anyone who's watching right now that just feels, oh, God, I thought if I believed, then it would all be happy for me. If I, I believed I'd be married by now, if I believed I'd have my child, if I believed I'd be more financially successful. God, those that are even asking for physical healings right now, God, you can. Yes. We want to say, God, you will. Yes. But even if you don't, we're going to worship you. Mm -hmm. 